Well, it's good to uh, good to be here, and you know, I really appreciate that introduction. Uh, it's just it's just so welcoming and, and friendly, and just get to know who who New Wave is. The only thing I would ask, uh, suggest is you should just in case, just in case it could be helpful, is you would add at the bottom single available or single and not available, right? Uh, you know, because uh, I imagine some of you are like, oh, and then you should also add like how much their uh, salary is, uh, their projected income levels in the next ten years, you know, and. Uh, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. No, 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 I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, some of you are like, oh, yes, that's a great idea. I, sign me up to be on that, uh, on that, um, uh, that thing next. But, uh, but see, speaking of um, that, uh, just in case you see this, uh, afterwards you see this lady following me around. I, I don't know who she is either, okay? She's been following me around for like 17 years. Um, one day I gave money to this lady asking for money, and then she's been following me around for... For uh, 17 years since. I'm just kidding. No, that's my wife. Um, that's my wife, and that's some random lady who's been following me around. Um, but yeah, so I'm so grateful she, she joined us. Um, I begged her to come because I was telling her, like, you got to come. That way there's proof. There's proof that I'm married, all right? That I have proof, all right? Uh, some people don't they just look at me and they don't believe me. I don't know why. Um, and so I'm grateful that she's, she's here. And I was just telling her how much I enjoy uh, just being here and the worship and just the, the atmosphere that you guys, uh, that you guys ha- have. Well, um, um, before we go into the, the passage today, um, turn to the person next to you and share with them which one is harder, to, to love or to be loved? You know, which one is, you know, which one is harder for you? You know, is it to love or to be love, right? Which one is harder for you? Some of us might think, like, obviously it's harder to, uh, to, to, to love, right? Because it's so much easier to, to be loved. But I don't know about you, but there, I know there are some people who struggle to be loved. And it's so much easier to, to love, to show love. Right, because to be loved means I don't know. Have you ever feel this way? Like when someone treats you out to lunch, it's you know if you have that moment where you appreciate it and you're grateful, but there's something lurking in the back, like I now have to treat this person back, right? You know that feeling? Or I don't know about you, but I I I really enjoy um, being able to validate people and to affirm and just say, hey, that's, you did awesome, or hey, you're, you know, you you did this really really well, or you're this. I really enjoy that, but for some reason, I don't enjoy hearing it, you know? And I mean it when I, when I you know, affirm people, but I, for some reason, you know, I was like, you know, thanks, but yeah, okay, you know, next. <laughs> you know, it's kind of awkward, right? Um, and my wife used to hate it, because whenever she used to say, like, oh, you did this really well, I, I just didn't know how to take it, so I was like, you do that well, right? You know, it's like, oh, you, you, you're such a good runner, like, you're a good runner, right? And I just knew, I just had to deflect, Right. So what about you? You know, turn to the person next to you and share with them uh, which is which is harder for you to to be loved or to love. All right. Go ahead and uh, share with the person next to you. Go. Well, uh, um, I know you've been going through a series called uh, Spiritual Blessings and um, and we're you know looking at different spiritual blessings. And today we're, we're looking at the spiritual blessings of relationships. Now, more specifically, what I would like to go through and, and, and work through in this passage is 
how to love the relationships in your life when it's hard, when it's just hard to love, right? Or, or how, to, you know, how to be in a relationship and how to, how to take someone's love when it's, when it's hard. And so uh, we're going to go through this passage to better understand why and, and how, how, how to love when, when it's hard. But the reason why I, I, uh, I, um, I think it's good for us to look at this passage is, um, is I think for a lot of us Christians, it's hard to love, right? Uh, think of it this way. There's a, um, there's a, a, a child psychologist, and his name is, he's like the, he's like the father of attachment theory, parent, like ta- attachment theory, parenting style, you know, kind of a thing. So his name is uh, Dr. Harry Harlow. And, um, and he's one of the first ones that created this incredible cultural shift in the, I think, like the late 40s and early 50s. And it's really incredible if you think about it, because up until that point, it was all about tough love. You know, it was all about, um, you know, not spoiling your kids. So it was, all, it was all about punishing your kids so they can learn, right? And so if, if some of you are old enough, um, you know, there was a time when teachers can actually spank their kids, spank the students at school, right? And so rumor has it, like, they would have a paddle, and some of the more gangster teachers would actually drill holes in the paddles. Do you know why they would drill holes in paddles? Because it would be faster and harder, right? So can you imagine, like... Wrong answer. Come on up here. Pow. <laughs> you know. Uh, I was like, uh, two plus two. What does that equal? Uh, three. Come on up here. And, and then, you know, that's, that's crazy, right? So uh, that's the culture of parenting. And that was a culture of raising kids. Tough, punishing love. So comes, you know, here comes uh, Dr. Harlow. And he starts to introduce this idea. It's about nurture. It's about love, right? And so uh, one of the things that he sort of, uh, you know, the study that he did, um, this, this sort of his, uh, this, this idea that it's about love, it's about nurture, comes from his uh, study of these uh, monkeys. And it's very controversial. And if you ever watch these YouTube videos of his studies on these monkeys, it's, it's, it's actually pretty traumatizing to watch because the, the things that he made these monkeys go through. And that's what he's kind of also known for. And so what he discovered was uh, he would have a, these monkeys in a cage, and he would have these, uh, these metal feeders, basically. And one day he noticed that one of the monkeys um, had, one of the cages had, he, someone left like a piece of cloth in, in the cage. And then he noticed that one of the monkeys would start cuddling with this piece of cloth. And whenever it was scared, it would run and just cuddle with that uh, piece of cloth. And, um, and so, you know, when it was anxious, it would go to that piece of cloth. So then he, then, then um, what he did was then he wrapped the, the metal feeder with this piece of cloth and made it look like a, like a mother monkey. And so then, you know, he noticed like, oh, okay, it will go to it. It will cuddle with this feeder that was no longer just a metal feeder, but a, a, uh, a you know, stuffed, basically, uh, animal. And so, he, you know, this monkey will go to it. And he noticed that, in his uh, tests, like he would have this monkey, you know, try to go through a maze or problem solve, and the monkey would do really, really well. And the monkey would respond to, you know, people with more curiosity. Now he compared that to the monkey that only had a metal feeder. 
And only, that was it. That was the only thing that was in its cage. And one of the things that he noticed with this, uh, this monkey that only had a metal feeder, it was more anxious. It was more uh, um, angry. It would just get, you know, run into bits of rage, right? It had a harder time, you know, problem solving certain exercises that they would have the monkeys do. And so from there, that's when he decided, okay, it's about nurture, and then it's incredible, it's incredible, uh, uh, just cultural shift that, that he was able to create. Here's what's interesting about him. He's, you know, he's basically, his nickname is Dr. Love, right? Because he's all about nurture and love. But if you ever got to know his personal life, he was anything but love. I think there was a, a podcast I was listening to about him. Uh, I think it was a podcast is a Radio Lab. I don't know if anyone listens to Radio Lab, but um, you know they were just highlighting. You know, when you look at his personal life, you know his he's estranged from his kids. Kids didn't want anything to do with him, and he's been married I think three or four times. Why? Because he was anything but love. Now I bring him up because it's it's confusing, right? It doesn't make sense. How can this guy that is all about love, professionally, academically, intellectually, be anything but love in his own life? And I wonder if, you, if we were to be kind of honest with ourselves, when we look at Christians, there is, you know, God is love, right? But the way we act, the way we speak, the way we treat others is anything but love. And to the outsider, when they look in, I'm sure you've heard it, they don't want, you know, sometimes they don't want anything to do with Christianity because Christians can be so judgmental. Christians go at war with each other, right? So Christians are anything but love. But again, if we were to be honest with ourselves, or when I find myself in those moments like, ah, another cultural wars about reckless love, <laughs> right? I'm not very loving in that moment either. I'm judgmental, right? And so why is that? Why is that? And so the passage we're going to look at in 1 John 4 is going to show us why. Why is it hard to love? And why is it so hard to show love? And then he's going to show us how to love. When, even when it's hard. Even when it's going to cost us so much. How? How to love. And um, as we read through this, my, my hope is you could read it as if this is going to be John's own testimony. You know, when you read throughout the passage, when you slow down, you read it. He's, he's writing as if he's feeling the emotions himself. I think in the earlier chapter, he, you know, in chapter 3, he goes, behold, behold the love of God, right? It's like he's not just writing a good theological paper, but he's writing with his own emotions. And so as he writes this, you know, it, it, I think it's helpful to read it as if he's writing out the testimony that has, the theology that has transformed his life. And if you know John, if you know anything about John, just to give you some context, uh, he, you know, he, do you, anyone remembers what his, uh, his and his brother's nicknames were? Uh, his brother was James. Sons of 
Thunder, right? Now, Sons of Thunder, you know, like, I can give you a guess of what that means. It's like, he's, it's, it's all about destruction. It's about aggression. And when you look at his life, and you look at his life in the Gospels, you kind of get a taste of it, right? On one hand, when, you know, Jesus uh, says, okay, let's, let's leave Samaria. They're, they're not really receptive to, 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 the, to my message here, Right? You know, uh, um, John goes up to G- James and John goes up to Jesus. Goes, they don't like your message, Jesus. Want us to pray and rain down fire on this village and destroy them all, right? And Jesus, is like, whoa, 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 um, whoa, there, <laughs> like, okay, okay, like, wow, that's intense, right? You know, I'm sure that's what Jesus said to to, to them, right? Whoa, whoa, that's a little uh, intense there. I, I mean, it's about the message of forgiveness, you know, uh, right? And then, do you remember? There's another moment where. Jesus shares with the disciples, hey guys, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to experience this horrific death, right? But I'm going to do it for everyone, you guys and everyone. And do you remember what James and John did in that moment in response when Jesus shares this? Did they go up to Jesus and say, oh, I'm so sorry you're going through this. Oh, I'm so thankful. What can we do to support you, Jesus? <laughs> you know, what can we do to help you, right? Oh, how can we be there for you? Do you know what they said to Jesus? Do you remember? Uh, hey, Jesus, um, you know, when you're being crucified and, you know, and you're about, you know, when you're dying and you go see God, can you remember us and make sure we get the, 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 the front row seats, we get the top seats of, of the kingdom? All right, Jesus, okay? So you see, like, how aggressive, how unloving. But now read this. And you see that he has been completely transformed. And what we're going to read, he shows us how that transformation happened and why it needed to happen. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John uh, chapter 4, and we're going to read through uh, verse 7 through, uh, through 21. I used to just focus more on 7 to 12, but, you know, and then break it up, but you can't, you can't fully grasp and appreciate the context of what John is saying here, um, I mean, obviously reading the whole book is important, and obviously reading the whole Bible is important, but just reading through this, then you get to really grasp why, why it's so hard to love and how to love. So let's start with verse, uh, verse 7. He, he, he says, Beloved, let us love one another. Let us agape one another. Let us love each other with unconditional love. For unconditional love, for love is from God. And whoever loves, this unconditional love, has been born of God and knows God, knows him deeply, has experienced that love. Anyone who does not love does not know God. If you can't love, it's because you don't know God's love. You haven't experienced it. Because God is love. In this, in this the love of God has made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So the only way we can know this love is through the death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in this love, not that we have loved God. This love isn't because we love God so well, right? It's not because of what we've done to conjure up this love. It's not because we're so cute. It's not because we're so wonderful. It's not the reason why he loves us, but he in this love, not that we have love, that's what he's pointing out here, this love isn't based on us. This love is based on that he loved us and sent his son to be the 
propitiation uh, for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought. There's a sense of compulsion that he's talking about here. It's ought. It's not just like, ah, I should, you know. It sounds like a good idea, you know. He's saying this sense of ought, like this compulsion. You can't help but want to love, right? Um, um, uh, ought, to, ought to love one another. So no one has ever seen God. Now catch what he's saying here. You know, someone's like, oh, I wish I could just see God. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and, uh, in us and his love is perfected in us. So when there's a true sense of fellowship, when there's a true sense of one another, you will experience God. I know there's, a, there's real quick, there's a, a friend of mine that um, went on a mission trip to Nepal and on this trip, they had these, uh, these tour guides. And uh, these tour guides weren't, weren't Christian. You know, they're being paid by these Christian missionaries. And so on this trip, these, these guides became Christians. And one of the things that my friend thought was interesting was he said, you know, he thought it was this, you know, amazing messages, you know, he thought it was amazing theology. But he says, no, they, what they told him was it's because of the way they loved each other as a team. The kind of, kind of way they interacted with each other, the way they put each other's needs above themselves, it, it, it was something different, and they couldn't help but experience God through that fellowship, right? So um, verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us uh, of his spirit. So the Holy Spirit reinforces that. This, whole, this Holy Spirit reminds us and affirms that. And verse 14, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So God's love is unconditional with a condition, right, with a condition. But man, once you get that condition, what do you get? The floodgates, a reservoir of just endless love. Um. And so, so in verse 16, so we have come to know and to believe, know, like knowing from experience, and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have the confidence for the day of judgment, in that future sense, because you have that relationship with God. It's like... When you have a great relationship with your parents, you know you can come home and not worry if, you know, you're welcomed or not. But that will be so different if you haven't made the time to invest in the relationship with your parents. You're not sure if you're going to be that welcome, right? You know, that's what he's saying here. And so, um, so because as he is, he also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, um, a sense of um, um, torment, a, a sense of hell. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. So he reinforces this idea. We can't love without God's love. It's impossible. And if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. He's lying to God, but he's also lying to himself. For he does not love, uh, does not love his brother whom he has, 
he has uh, cannot who, who has he who he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen and this commandment we have from him whoever loves God must also love his brother all right let's let's take a look at you know in this passage why why is so 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 hard to to love and in this passage we we could probably find a lot of different uh, reasons why it's hard to love but I just want to highlight uh, two things. I think the first one is he wants us to see we can't love until we know love. Right? You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, uh, you know, show something unless you, you know and been shown it yourself. So, you know, if you look at verse 7, you know, let us love one another, another for love is from God and her loves has been born of God and knows God, right, knows, knows from uh, experience. So you can't love until we know love, right? And there's two, two ways to kind of break it down, right? It's you can't love unless you, you know love, and you can't give what you don't know what you have to give, right? So the first part is to love, and, you know, it's like to love uh, because you know love. If, if I were to make up a scenario, all right, make up a scenario here, okay? Let's just compare um, myself and uh, PT, okay? Now, I don't know how PT was raised, but let's just say PT was raised in a very loving home. You know, every morning he wakes up, he wakes up to his mom just stroking his face. And she says, my son, I love you so much, right? And she, you know, she cooks him a hot breakfast every morning. I don't know, did your mom cook you a hot breakfast every morning? Really? Wow. What kind of hot breakfast? (laughs) Korean food. Oh. Um, Where does your mom live? Can we visit? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, But let's just say, you know, know, she cooked him. She she decorated everything. So it just shows how much, you know, she loves, you know, PT, right? And, um, you know, his father, you know, you know, whenever he interacts with PT, he goes, you know, my son, I love you so much. You are the son that I'm so grateful to have, right? You are perfect the way you are, and you're perfect the way you're not. You're just perfect. I'm so grateful you're in my, my life, right? Let's just say, I don't, again, I don't know if that's, that's how his, his parents are, right? Um, and, and so let's say the constantly this was always shown to him. But in, even in love, they would discipline him, right? Like, oh, you know, PT, I don't know. That's not a good idea. But we're going to, you know, withhold this stuff because we love you, right? So let's just say that's just kind of his interaction. Now, let's just say I, what my situation is. I grew up, and maybe my mom would be in, in my room. I, I, I didn't grow up in this situation, okay? But I'm just saying for as an example. Let's just say the first thing my mom says to me is like, oh, you're such a disappointment. You know, uh, you only got an A minus. But mom, I have a, at least a 4.0. Uh, 4.0, you might as well just be homeless, right? You know, it's a 4.8 GPA. Do you know where we live? You got to, you know, succeed to make it. You got to be perfect, right? Let's just, let's just say that's a message I get all day long, right? And, you know, you know if I enter a room... You know, my family just rolls their eyes, right? They, they just like, you get that like, ugh, you know, that, that, that feeling, you know, of just not being wanted. And let's just say I, I get a good grade, 
you know, or I get a good job. I show my parents or, you know, tell them, hey, I got the job offer. And then instead of saying, oh, great job, you tried really hard, and I'm so proud of you, right? They said, that's it? Why didn't you ask for more? Right? Now, let's just say that's the environment I grew up in. So statistically speaking, if uh, you compare PT and myself and our upbringing, whose marriage will last longer, do you think? Who's going to have a better, who's going to have a more loving relationship with their kids? Well, statistically speaking, right, there's a lot of variables, I know, but obviously PT. So that's what John is saying here. You see, if you find it hard to love, it's not about that person. I mean, yes, of course, that's a different topic. A lot of it is that person, sure. But a lot of it is your inability to see God's love for you. You remember the, the, the parable, the unmerciful servant? It's like he was forgiven for, it's like they calculate like billions of dollars, and he was forgiven completely. But he couldn't forgive this other guy that owed him a few dollars. The parable and what John is saying here is our inability to love is not because of this person being lovable. It's because you can't see how loving your father is and how unloving you can be if you're to be honest with yourself. Now, here's the second tier of this knowing, you know, why it's so hard to, to love is because we don't know. The second thing is it's hard to, to, to give what you don't know what you have. So let's say someone asks you for $10. And let's just say, you, all you know is, uh, I think I have like at least $100 in my bank, right? And even though it's just $10, but if $100 is all you have in your bank and they ask you for $10, you're going to feel a little anxious, right? Oh, if I give them $10 now, that doesn't even cover a bowl of pho anymore. Darn it, right? And then you start worrying like, oh, are they going to give it back to me? Am I going to make enough? Because I'm only, if, if, after this $10 and other things, I'm only going to be like, like $5 at the end of the month, let's just say. Right? So you're going to be kind of anxious about it, right? If they ask you for $100, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I only have $100. You know, so you're going to be, you're going to be angry. You're going to be resentful. You're like, how dare they ask me? They know my situation. But what John wants us to see here is we can interact with that situation differently. If someone needs $10 or someone asks us for $10, we can say, yeah, because I have an, a God with an infinite reservoir of resources. So what's, what's $10? Someone can even come up and ask for $1,000. But instead, we're not going, do I have enough? Of if you know what, who God is, and you know what God offers, and you know how much God will provide for you, what's $1,000? Now, again, different topic for, like, wisely, you know, loving someone that way. That, that's a different topic. But you, you see what John is telling us here? Someone can come up to you and ask for Maybe you're feeling kind of a move in your heart to, to give even more than you normally would give to the situation in, in Turkey and Syria. 
what's $20,000 if you know how much you have in God? You get what John is saying here? Think of it this way. Um, um, one of my uh, favorite places to eat um, was uh, Sweet Tomatoes. Sorry, sorry. I know I just broke some of your, your heart. Just got, I know, I just poked a hole in your heart. I know, I know. Oh. <laughs> it's so tough now, <laughs> right? Um, we don't have sweet tomatoes. Um, did anyone use this hack of where you buy the gift card? Because, you know, you get, like, one free meal for a gift card. Did you know that? And then you use the gift card, but you still could use the coupon on top of it. So you get, anyways, like it. Um, so uh, one day, um, my, uh, my, I love, you know, so one day I'm, I, I took my family, my, my, uh, my wife and my kids, and the one we were eating at was one off of North First Street. Anyone ever been to that one? You guys remember that? <laughs> um, so the, where, where we were sitting was right in front of the blueberry muffins. And I strategically have our family sit where the blueberry muffins are. Because when it comes out, like fresh out of the oven, and you put that, was it the honey butter? Oh, a taste of heaven. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh my gosh, this guy's theology is so wrong. <laughs> How can he say the taste of muffins is a taste of heaven? Um, he's reduced God um, to blueberry muffins. But oh, you, you, anyone know what I'm talking about? You know, when it's like steaming and then you put the mud butter and it starts melting and oh, and it's like, it just melts, right? In your mouth, right? So I love it. Okay, I love, I love those berry muffins. So one day, um, you know, with, I'm with my family, and my oldest, she was like, I don't know, five then, right? And she had this funny habit of just grabbing food off of our, of our plates and just eating it, right? So again, I'm very, 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 very strategic about getting my blueberry muffins, right? So when it comes out of the oven, because if if sometimes when it comes out and you miss it, you got to wait like uh, sometimes 15 minutes, right? Um, and so she grabs my, so I, I, I'm, about, I'm eating my, like, my uh, chicken noodle soup mid, mid, midway, and then the, the guy comes out with the, the fresh muffins. Oh my, and so I drop everything, and I go get, get like, I think I got like two, right? Because if you get five, then by the time you get to your fifth one, it kind of cools down. But anyway, so I, uh, I, I uh, get my two out, right? And I'm about to eat it, and, or I ate like half of one, and then my daughter takes all my blueberry muffins and starts eating it. And I remember I got so angry, Right? I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm suffering for the Lord. <laughs> like, this is so hard, right? And I remember thinking, like, oh my gosh, I got so mad at her. I'm like, come on. At least, like, how many times have we told you? You know, this is rude. You know, I was, you know how I was looking forward to this, right? And here's the part that just really, really embarrassed. I realized how embarrassing the situation was. I'm getting so mad at her while I'm sitting in front of an unlimited, like, like, barrel full of blueberry muffins that just came out of the oven. You see how ridiculous that looked? I mean, so angry with her, as if she took that one blueberry muffin away when I had so many right behind me. Now, in, my, in terms of parenting and, and teaching her, of course, that's, that's a different topic. But that's not, that conversation about just being, you know, considerate is not, didn't have to be filled with rage. So, do you see how that is with how God looks at us? Why are you holding back? 
Look at what I offer you. Look at what I give you. Look at what you have taken. Why are you holding back? Why are you anxious as if you're going to lose so much when I've given you so much? So you see what, what John wants us to see. That's why we struggle to love. Because we've lost sight of the infinite reservoir of who God is. Lost sight of the infinite reservoir of blueberry muffins. (laughs) Next time you eat a blueberry muffin, it's not going to be the same experience for you. Um, And so what do we do, right? What do we do? So we see he's saying the reason why you have this fear, the reason why you get filled with anxiety, you get filled with that question of like, well, is this person going to take advantage of me or not? Or this person going to, you know, just going to just migrate and reinforce a bad thing. And I'm sure some of you feel this way towards your spouses, maybe even towards your parents, but you ever find yourself holding back. And the reason why we hold back is because we've lost sight of how much God does not hold back with us. So what do we need to do? What does John tell us that uh, we need to do? How do we love when it's hard? Know God's love. The, uh, the word know here is not actually the best translation. John uses the word genosko, and, and the word genosko is not just like, you know, to know about something, but it's actually to know something through experience, to know something because of the interaction. So an example is like, um, I know, like the difference between what, uh, or the di- difference between how I know Beyonce, right? What's the difference between how I know Beyonce versus how Jay-Z knows Beyonce? Quite different, right? Quite different, right? Right? So you see, I know things about her. I, I, actually, I don't even know anything about her. I just know she was part of Destiny's Child, and, and um, she's married to Jay-Z, right? And then Jay-Z cheated on her. That's all I know. That's all I know. That's all you need to know, right? Come on. <laughs> Reduce people's life into, uh, you know, those little things. But, you know, that's all I know, right? From what I know about her, is that enough for me to go over her house and say, hey, let me in. I want to have dinner with you and Jay-Z and whatever kids that you have. Right? Is that enough? No. That's creepy. Right? But Jay-Z, because he knows her, because he has a relationship with her, because he's made time for her, because he's, you know, you know, loves her, right? And they have a relationship. He, of course he can have dinner, I'm assuming he can have dinner with her whenever she wants. So you see, the reason why I think, you know, some of us may struggle to, to love others is because we haven't experienced God's love. We haven't made the time to have that relationship with God. We haven't allowed ourselves to interact with God's love. I mean, it's so important that if you look at Matthew 7, and Jesus says, you know, there will be a time at the end when some of you will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, you know, we, we prophesied in your name. We, uh, we, um, we did all these incredible things in your name. Let us in. And Jesus says what? And I will say to them, Away from me, you evil doers. Now you catch it, catch they didn't, it's not like they were saying I'm, we're murderers and you know we hide things. They're saying that we did great things, but Jesus calls them evil doers. Why? Why can't they get in? 
It's the next part that reveals why they don't get in. He goes, away from me, you evildoers, for I never knew you. Genosko. What Jesus is saying there is, you never made an effort to know me. You never made time to know my love. You never let my love speak to you. You never let my love comfort you. You never let my love clarify what's really going on. You never let my love give you a sense of direction. You never made the time to know me. You only spent time knowing things about me. So can't you see what John is saying here? So if we really, if you struggle to love, then maybe the reason why he wants us to see is because we don't truly know God. We know things about God, but then to know him intimately, vulnerably, right? And so, um, you know, the question is how? You know, how, how to, to know God, right? How do we know God? Um, and how do we live it out, right? Well, um, I'll give you some practicals, right? I think one is obviously know God through the word of God. You know, it's, sometimes we read the Bible as if it's a love story, a love letter to someone else. But read it as if it's a love letter to you. It's a love letter to you. Don't read like, oh, that's, that's who God is for someone else. That's who God is for me. You know, and, you know, if you spend the time reading the Bible, but reading it not to, like, memorize it and because it's the right thing to do, but read it to really know who God is, you can't help but know his love. There have been times where I read a passage, right? And I'm not the most, like, emotional person, okay? And I, I know I'm grateful, with, especially with YouTube. There's, you can hear amazing, amazing sermons, right? But there are times when I'm reading the passage. I remember one day I was reading through Hebrews. And I was just reading, like, all of a sudden I was like, oh, wow. I don't know why I'm getting emotional. It's like, wow, Jesus died and he's the high priest for me. For me. Wow, when I feel like I don't have any other high priest to look after me, he is that high priest for me. And so it transforms you to know how much he will do for you and how much you can have in him, then you can't help. That's what he's saying. You can't help. You, you ought to love. You can't help but want to share that same love to someone else. This is so powerful, right, that this shows us how this even changed John from being the son of thunder to the beloved. Let me just close with the story of um, from uh, Clement of, uh, Clement of Alexandria. He was like one of the early um, uh, theologians. And uh, he, he wrote this uh, thing, like extra, you know, extra history about John um, that it, it, I didn't know about, right? So he basically writes this, this situation. What had happened was John was discipling this, this young guy. And uh, then John had to go away. So he asked this other, uh, I forgot, other, um, like, you know, um, a person to look after this, this younger guy. John goes away. He's gone for like, I don't know, I, I, can't, I forgot how long he was gone for, but he was gone. Comes back. And he's looking for the young guy that he had mentored, that he had discipled. And uh, the person that was supposed to look after him says, oh, I'm so sorry, this person, this person left. He's not with us anymore. In fact, 
he's now with these uh, robbers and thieves and killers. Remember now, John is the son of thunder, right? If you were the son of thunder, how would you respond to that situation with anger, with rage, and vengeance? How much did I pour into you? But what John did was he said, get me my horse or donkey, and let's go. And the place that they went to go find this young man was known as a place where uh, it's just dangerous. Goes to that valley, allows himself to be robbed so that he could be taken to the young man that he had mentored. He's like, take me to him. They take him there, and this is what he says to him. Again, remember, this is transformation from the son of thunder. You, you know, bring rain down fire on Samaria. They rejected you, God, right? To listen to, to what he says here. Why do you run away from me, child, from your own father? Unarmed and very old. Be sorry for me, child, not afraid of me. You still have hopes of life. I will count to Christ for you. If need be, I will gladly suffer your death as the Lord suffered death for us. To save you, I will give my own life. Stop, believe, Christ has sent me. What a transformation from rain down your fire to I will suffer for you. Imagine what your relationships could look like if you were to stay fixated on God's love and how your response won't be of distrust, vengeance, but more of love. Let's close. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that, um, that you are the infinite definition of love. And we thank you through the passage that we're reminded you love us not because we are loving you first or not because we love you right or because we're so lovable, but God, in just the infinite of reservoir of who you are, you love us. So I pray and ask God that if at times we struggle, we find that there's a certain person in our life that we struggle to love, instead of fixating and focusing on what they're not doing right, or maybe sometimes we fixate and focus on what we're not doing right, and we feel guilty for not loving them enough. I pray that, God, you would even supernaturally bring our gaze and bring our attention to your love. Overwhelm us with your love. Overflow us and fill us up so that our love for you would overflow. I mean, our, our, your love for us would overflow and help us to love others. So we thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.